Annyeong. Welcome to I Made a Huge Mistake, an Arrested Development podcast. I am your host, Darren, and today I am joined by Edwin Davis of the Shot Reverse Shot podcast. Is that correct, Edwin? Uh, Annyeong. Yes, that is correct. Today we're going to be talking about episode seven of season three, Prison Break-In. Um, it was broadcast on the 12th of December, 2005. Uh, it was written by Kerry Dornetto and directed by Robert Berlinger. Uh, Carrie Donetto, um, she was a writer on South Park before this. Um, she also tellingly wrote on, uh, the Jamie Kennedy experience, mm-hmm. uh, or experiment, should I say? Uh, so that might explain why he, uh, made a couple of cameos during this season. Um, and later on, she went to write for Community, um, and, uh, she also wrote for, um, The Kroll Show for mm-hmm. a season. Uh, and most recently she's been on staff at, at Portlandia since, uh, like 2012. Um, though she also did write for, uh, the NBC sitcom The New Normal. Mm. Um, if you recall that show. Vaguely, <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, Kerry Dornetto, it's interesting because, um, obviously Tobias's sexuality and the story of Tobias's sexuality on this show, um, is kind of a fine line that they walk. Uh, and Kerry Dornetto herself is gay and is actually married to the uh, the director, Jamie Babbitt. Um, and a lot of the episodes from season uh, one and two uh, that were kind of heavily about Tobias's sexuality and his incredulity towards his own sexuality, uh, they were written by um, Abraham Higginbotham, who mm. portrayed Gary. Um, and he was also gay as well. So, um, in 2000, you know, four, five, six, that kind of time to have, you know, uh, two gay members of staff on the writing staff for a sitcom, uh, that is relatively forward looking, even though this is only like a decade ago. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, so I think that's quite interesting. Um, not that that really makes that much difference to this episode <laughs> because it, in this episode, Tobias's storyline, has become mostly about his hair plugs and the illness that they have inflicted upon him. Um, I think it's interesting that, that, you know, uh, you know, the, the kind of defining characteristic of Tobias for the first couple of seasons was his, the whole, all the jokes about his sexuality. Mm-hmm. Um, but over the, over season three, there's been very little of that. There's been a couple because obviously, you know, he, he said he could taste the, the uh, the, le- the meaty leading man parts in his mouth. So there has still been a few of that, but they it's quite odd because the staff seem to have backed away from writing those stories, um, and they instead focused on his hair plugs gradually mm. killing him, which is such an odd story. And I like how gradually it was revealed over the first kind of like, um, you know, from episode two onwards. Uh, after we'd met Rita, basically, the parallel storyline was Tobias... And his increasing hair plugs. Um, and it's, it's always really interesting to see David Cross with like such a big head of hair, mm-hmm. <laughs> particularly yeah. in this episode, because it, it, you know, that seems to be the thing that he's mostly focused on now. Tobias just seems to care about having, uh, this hair, uh, despite the fact that the rest of him looks so completely terrible. <laughs> um, so, but, uh, yeah, so that, I mean, and let me just give you the, the summary, uh, as supplied by TV Guide, uh, mm-hmm. James Lipton returns as a prison warden who lets Lucille hold a charity event inside the facility's walls, but Michael suspects a more personal affair. Um, <laughs> which I think that's an interesting thing to focus on because, 
I don't really think that the whole, you know, Lucille trying to get the, the code from Warden Gentles, I don't really think that's kind of the main story of this episode. Like, that's just, to me, seems like a little kind of subplot. Yeah, I mean, it it's more really kind of something to vex Michael, but it's not like, if you were to say, what is the A plot of this episode, I wouldn't have said that, because really... James Lipton's only in maybe like four or five scenes, some of which he doesn't say anything because he's watching a play of um, <laughs> young children acting out his script. I have to say, uh, New Warden being acted out by these three children <laughs> is possibly one of the the like the best things that this show ever does. <laughs> um, because it's just so... And also the fact that, that um, Warden Gentles... He keeps he keeps quoting lines from New Warden to people who've never seen New Warden. <laughs> so he keeps making these weirdly threatening things like saying he's going to beat someone with a pillowcase of batteries. And mm. it goes over their heads because they have no idea that he's just making like a reference yeah. uh, to a play that at that point has only been seen by a room full of parents of... <laughs> Um, I don't know what what do those those kids look like seven eight somewhere around there yeah pr- pretty young yeah. yeah the the little the kids doing that play they are fantastic mm. like they do I mean it might just be the way that they deliver it anyway but they do this wonderfully kind of like stilted delivery of the lines mm-hmm. and like nothing really sounds that natural but I guess that's meant to be because the writing is terrible um, but yeah so those kids do a great job but you know uh, let's start at, at the beginning where. Um, in the previous five episodes, we've had the storyline of Rita and Michael. You know, the previous uh, episode finished with um, Tobias on fire, not able to go underwater in a pool because of a <laughs> trick that Job had set up. Uh, obviously, Michael had found out about, um, you know, Rita's condition from George Michael filming her eating plastic fruit. Mm-hmm. Um, and <laughs> so, you know... Uh, they, I like as well how they do a little thing where they just show a caption of um, uh, of Rita and it, and it says silver medalist two reg, two legged race, <laughs> which is such a weird joke because obviously you know normally uh, like the, the race is a three legged race like that's mm-hmm. the the thing like every other race is a two legged race, um, but yeah and of course Lucille emphasizes it here you know as as Michael goes to see his mother by saying. Um, <laughs> no, you were too busy for us. No one's seen you going on all those dates with Rita, or should I say, play dates. <laughs> we see that you know Michael has broken out the old guitar. I kind of like how how kind of Jason Bateman is so kind of kind of broken here, mm-hmm. and he just strums a chord, attempts to sing, and then just drops the guitar. <laughs> and as he does, the camera pulls back slightly, and we see that George Michael is standing there with his woodblock. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like that when George Michael says, you know, that uh, when, you know, he says you should talk to someone. And of course, Michael says, like my mom, <laughs> I like that George Michael goes, well, how does she play guitar? <laughs> Which is, you know, a classic kind of blue th- misunderstanding. Mm. And we get what I feel is probably one of kind of the few little B plots that are in this episode, because it is mostly all about the gala mm-hmm. um, for the for the Bluth Foundation. Um you know, the word foundation after someone's surname these days has a slightly different connotation <laughs> uh, now that a certain person is in the White House. But I like this this super weird B-plot that Buster had where a few episodes ago it was suggested, um, Michael said you should get a girlfriend, but he stopped himself and then said get a pet. Mm-hmm. And of course, Buster suggested a turtle because he, you know, he likes the, the snappy faces. And of course, you know, Michael said, well, you do have a type. 
And mm-hmm. um, I like <laughs> I like here that um, <laughs> when 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 Michael says, you know, can a guy call his mom pretty without it seeming strange? Buster interjects by saying, and how about that little piece of tail on her? <laughs> Cute. I like how Michael instantly is like, I've opened a door here that I regret. <laughs> and we find out that Buster has a turtle and um, he angrily says she has a name mother and mm-hmm. its mother, <laughs> which is such a, a weird, obviously kind of like Buster type thing for him to do. And uh, I like that the narrator spells it out for us by saying that Buster had brought home a turtle in an incredibly misguided attempt <laughs> to make his mother jealous. Throughout season two, Buster kind of knew about Oscar and then didn't know about Oscar and then knew about Oscar and then didn't. And it was kind of a, a, a weird thing where I don't think even by the end of season two, the writers would be able to tell you if Buster was clear on who his father was. Um, but here he refers to Uncle Father Oscar. Yeah. Uh, which is yeah. such a, a neat kind of joke. I was quite confused watching this because it's been a while since I'd seen season two and watching it I was like does he know I'm not sure if that's ever explicitly said if he knows who actually his father is so I thought it was funny that he calls him Oscar uh, Uncle Father Oscar but also like later on he calls his dad uh, like Uncle Father Dad or something like that because he's still (laughs) yeah he can't quite figure out who's who Um, and of course I like as well how um, the narrator has a very flat delivery Mm -hmm. when talking about (laughs) Um, when Buster puts him in the, the box that Uncle Father Oscar left behind, mm-hmm. and he says... In fact, it was a box of Oscar's legally obtained medical marijuana. Primo bud. Real <laughs> sticky weed. And he says it in such a kind of flat way that it just makes the joke so funny. Mm. Um, and of course, Buster tells us that uh, Mother um, was moving slowly last week, and then she stopped. Um, so we all know at this point that Mother is dead, but mm-hmm. I think Buster is going to take a little while longer to find out. Um, and we get into the main plot of the episode here, which I love, which is the TBA debacle. Mm-hmm. Um, and <laughs> we we get to see um, the the one of the years where the the Blue family were trying to suggest a um, charity. Um, you know, they were trying to suggest a, a cause for their for their their charity, their newly set up charity, um, and they they have a they have like a a, a vote on mm. the different kind of prospective causes that they they could uh, raise money for, um, and I, I like that we get um, <laughs> we get something that has been alluded to before, which is um, um, Lucille's neck. Uh, <laughs> now it's funny because um you know like in previous seasons you know michael has said you know it, the, the 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 surgery was like um um an improvement um so obviously <laughs> they must have done something like after this first foundation you know mm-hmm. meeting because um you know the suggestion that comes up twice is for neck flap <laughs> 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 which which is such a a kind of a specific kind of um thing that they want to raise money for and of course amongst the suggestions is shrinkage <laughs> yeah which i i like that um <laughs> that george senior is like somebody saw seinfeld last night <laughs> mm-hmm. uh which oddly enough places this if this if this is you know the first time that this episode was aired mm. this places this specifically on May the 13th 1994 yeah which <laughs> I wish I which this I don't know that this, this like that 
that doesn't really i mean buster seems a little bit more childish and you know michael seems a little younger and stuff but it just does, it doesn't seem like it's 1994 um so i'm guessing it was just a repeat mm-hmm. <laughs> and of course we get here a variant cancer which is one more hint towards um tracy's death mm. I, <laughs> I like how george senior just like gee I wonder who that was, and it's just like probably the cruelest, the cruelest moment of uh, of the entire kind of uh, Blue family's relationship of being dismissive about his wife's death. It's just yeah, yeah. but very very funny. <laughs> and I like as well, you know, that after all the suggestions have been read out, Lindsay's like, I haven't heard anything that beats herpes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the the uh, you know the. Something that I don't think I've actually spoken about, but I think that the, the like the graphic design that they do in this show is amazing. Mm. And when they have like the invitations and it says, you know, they send them out with the disease to be announced and it just says, help us fight TBA. And then mm-hmm. they, they do a cut to the actual, you know, event and you see the same kind of like layout with the word TBA. And it's just, it's just, it looks so like kind of well done. Mm-hmm. And I like how, you know, the narrator tells us that the, the Blues ended up raising over $25,000 to help fight TBA. And then, and he goes, And then, and here's the really horrible part, <laughs> they did it again the following year. And at this particular point, they have George Michael and his um, Star Wars kid uh, imitation <laughs> video. And Job saying the words, We'll live in a galaxy where TBA... <laughs> does not exist i like how obvious job is being about it there mm-hmm. um because we kind of cut to the rest of the family and the, there's like a look of like what are you doing like you're giving it away <laughs> uh, which i which i really like um and of course michael here he uses the excuse that he's gone to see his mother because you know he's the co-chair of the foundation and you know she tells him that warden gentles is now the co-chair um and this is the return of james lipton uh, one more time mm. uh, while the show was on Fox. Obviously, his character returns a lot more in season four. Um, and uh, James Lipton himself, I think outside of Arrested Development, he kind of is almost like a bit of a parody of himself now. Mm. Like the whole, you know, uh, all the stuff about inside the actor's studio with like, tell us your inspiration and, you know, is a certain character with us today. All mm-hmm. that kind of stuff, I think is kind of a bit kind of hokey and cliched. But I just love, I love Warden Gentles. It's such a great character. Mm. And so kind of, like, since they lost the prison, you know, after season one, obviously they lost him as a potential character. So I like that they've brought him back here. Um, and I think the whole thing with, um, you know, Lucille trying to get the code. Like, I don't really feel like George Sr. wants to escape. Mm-hmm. Like... I know that that's kind of the, the key of every single season. And even this one will always finish with George Sr. running away. Mm-hmm. Um, but like this far into the season, it doesn't feel like the house arrest has really been that bad for George Sr. Um, you know, and they say here, you know, that, that they're getting some cameras fitted because of his many escape attempts. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and obviously this is where he starts making uh, paper mache heads. <laughs> <laughs> none of which will fool any camera basically yeah i like all of his i like his various probing questions about them it's like are these hd are they in uh, color or uh, <laughs> color or not it's a it's a nice touch of how blatant his attempts <laughs> his whole plan actually is and of course the funny thing is that here all this paper mache head stuff um is actually just a distraction from the fact that lucille <laughs> is getting the code from yeah. the warden so it's quite clever that 
he's been so blatant mm-hmm. and yet it's still kind of like a deliberate um kind of tactic um and you know uh, <laughs> i like that um when james lipton you know enters um you know as they find out that the cameras have been installed he says it'll help me better understand george bluth the main character of the latest and i pray final draft <laughs> of my screenplay new warden and I like that the fact that he's praying for this to be the final draft suggests that maybe he's a little sick of, of this screenplay himself. And of course, you know, Warden Gentiles insists he's not going to be one of those people who are talking about their screenplay. And then he keeps going on about his screenplay for pretty much the rest of the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I like, um, I just, I just like little kids <laughs> saying the phrase, Nobody sells any coke in this pen without daddy getting a taste. <laughs> Like, that's just such a great line. And the other one's saying... Beat him with a pillowcase full of batteries. Which is <laughs> such a, a kind of vivid uh, picture. And of course, you know, Lucille uh, lets us know that they're going to have the charity event in the prison. And after lockdown, everyone is going to spend a night in a cell. You know, she does not leave, need Michael's help. And I mm-hmm. think it's funny because there's been a few... At least like once a season, they have a little storyline where... Michael and Lucille, who are actually kind of a lot more similar than either of them would want to admit, will have an episode where one needs the other. Mm. Um, you know, and, and we had it with, um, uh, you know, my mother, the car, uh, and you know, we we had it with um, when he when Oscar wouldn't sell the land back. You know, like there's there's a few episodes where they they share this moment, and I think it's interesting here where you know Michael says, you know. Um, you know, just thought I could help, relieved I don't have to. And, you know, he kind of, <laughs> and we know that really he did want to, you know, actually talk to Lucille about something other than the foundation. He was just using that as a pretext. You know, Michael goes home to Lindsay and he talks about, you know, probably not a good idea to have prison associated with the Bluth name. <laughs> um, and I like that when maybe overhears this, she says she's going to run into the warden again. And, you know, she makes the excuse that he had a startled straight assembly. But I like I like when we get the the cut to um, the actual um, meal that she had with the warden. And he says, I think you'll find the dessert both engrossing and high grossing, (laughs) which is. And of course, as as the as the as the as the top comes off the the tray for dessert, we see uh, new warden by Stefan Gentles. But but then maybe he's like, so we don't get dessert. <laughs> Which I just find I find it you know interesting that maybe would meet with a warden in his prison. <laughs> That's mm. such a weird kind of uh, like weird concept. And like, would no one at the prison have checked that maybe was you know a teenager and probably shouldn't have been there? Mm-hmm. Of course, as maybe leaves, she says that she has some reading to do. Yeah, yeah. Um, which, of course, will lead to the whole storyline, kind of B-plot with, with you know, George Michael and, and his thoughts on whether or not he wants to go to this gala. And we get revealed here, Lindsay telling, telling everyone that they have a, a disease. Um, and she's very excited because she says, <laughs> I chose it. GVH, graft versus host. It's new, it's fatal, and guess who's got it? <laughs> and, and I like how we see the doctor basically saying to, you know, Tobias that the transplanted hair is rejecting his body. Mm-hmm. And he, he says, either you remove your hair graft or the host, you will get sicker and eventually die. 
And of course, when Lindsay says, can you think of any benefits? The doctor's <laughs> like, benefits? No, he'll die. And she's like, oh, no, no, but have there been any fundraisers? <laughs> this is where she says, you know, she's happy to have a husband with the headline disease, which is <laughs> such a weird way of phrasing it. And she talks about the attention that Superman's wife got, um, which I, you know, I'm not, sh- I, I'm not sure exactly when uh, Christopher Reeve died. It was late um, 2004 because I remember it was just after I'd started uh, my first year at uni, and it's like him and John Peel died within a week of each other. So, or oh, that period is very fixed in my mind. This would have been a, <laughs> this would have been a like a very very recent joke. Yeah, um, you know, considering this is like the end of two thousand and five, this is like ba- basically almost about a year, like after um, Christopher Reeve died. Tobias wants to be the headliner as well, and uh, he says this is going to be great for me because I'm going to star in the video Joe's making for the Gala. <laughs> and I like Job doing like doing this weird kind of like almost jackass type thing where he's like, yes, it'll be very uplifting, and he presses the button for the. The, the chairlift that they've had installed or the um the, the ramp basically mm. and it, it forces Tobias off and he falls first out of the wheelchair and you know as he falls he says oh this is gonna hurt <laughs> and, and then the wheelchair falls on top of it um you Some know good slapstick kind of... in this from uh David Cross and that also yes seemed to me like a uh a fun callback to him falling off as Mrs. Uh, Featherbottom, where he jumps down from the exact same <laughs> spot and uh, also injures himself grievously. It, I, it's definitely a callback to that. Um, and I like as well that throughout the entire thing, the stuff with Job and um, Tobias, yeah, like he keeps he keeps saying to Tobias, we're going to have to do this from another angle. And he's like, have you got another one in you? And he, like, he, keeps, he keeps basically making Tobias injure himself mm. and then go back and film it again so he can injure him another time. Which I don't know if Job is doing that deliberately or if he just doesn't care. I like as well how, you know, Tobias is on the floor and, you know, clearly he should be in pain. And when Michael asks if you're okay, he says, oh, Probably. I can't feel anything. How's my hair? <laughs> it's, such a, it's such a weird thing that Tobias has become obsessed with this hair. Mm. Um, and that is like the main kind of storyline. Um, and of course, this is probably one of my favorite. You know, we've had the joke about Anne mostly, mm-hmm. but also sometimes about other people where, you know, obviously people say um, people say her. Mm-hmm. And I love this exchange because, you know, um Michael seems to think that Warden Gentles is taking advantage of Mom, and Lindsay says, "I didn't ever occur to you that maybe Warden Gentles likes her." <laughs> Michael goes, "Likes her what?" <laughs> and she's like, "No, I, I mean likes her, like is attracted to her." And Michael's like, "Who's the her in that sentence?" <laughs> and it's like, "Mom, Warden Gentles likes Mom." Of course, Michael hits the punchline with her, <laughs> and it's yeah. such a just doing that joke, just doing the her thing has been like so common that I love that they spend so long building up to that punchline here, mm. with Michael basically not understanding what Lindsay is referring to when mm. it's just basically she's referring to their their mother, and of course, you know, Tobias, <laughs> he says that. The guy runs a prison. He can have any piece of ass he wants. <laughs> uh, that is apparently Tobias's reasoning for why Warden Gentles would not be interested in Lucille Blue. <laughs> um, and I like as well that, that Michael says that he he doesn't want Mom mixed up with some sort of creep who would have her as a fetish, <laughs> um, which is such a, a weird thing. And of course, this is where Michael says he's not going to take his mom to the, the gala 
Instead, he's going with his son. And we get this weird thing from the narrator here where, you know, George Michael says, I might skip that. I don't like galas. And of course, the narrator goes, actually, he loved galas. All kids do. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't know, I don't know why he says that because it's Mm. such a weird line. Like, it doesn't make any, I like, I don't understand why, why he's saying that. It's just such a weird joke. The uh, um, the read on it that I have, and this is just my own personal one, is that it's specifically a Ron Howard thing, and maybe like just kind of some reference to the fact he probably has dragged his kids to a lot of galas over the years. <laughs> they maybe, maybe didn't particularly care yeah. for it. <laughs> maybe, yeah. Otherwise, it's I just guess. a really weird non sequitur. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, and of course, this is where Tobias he call. He, this is the first kind of avert shout out to Prison Break, mm-hmm. uh, which. On a Monday was on half an hour after this. Uh, in between, for a mere four episodes, there was Kitchen Confidential, mm-hmm. starring Bradley Cooper. Um, wow! I don't. I think that I think that had been cancelled by this particular point, and I don't know what was on. Probably just repeats of The Simpsons or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is where Tobias says, "Don't leave your uncle Teabag hanging." <laughs> <laughs> uh, Teabag, of course, being a character on Prison Break. I've never seen Prison Break myself, but I understand that he's played. Uh, by Robert Nepper. If you saw Robert Nepper, you'd recognise his face. He has a he has a very distinctive look. He was on that for the entire run, so you know, Teabag, which is such a silly name for a character. Um, obviously, hinting at a a certain type of joke uh, mm-hmm. about a sexual activity. The narrator tells us that George Michael is having trouble looking directly at his dying uncle. <laughs> As um, you know, Tobias gets over to to George Michael. Uh, Job starts filming it, saying, "This is heartbreaking." <laughs> <laughs> and he says, "George Michael, you want to put your head down by his drainage shunt?" And it's just like such an unpleasant phrase. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, but it's weird how like quickly because um, like. A few episodes ago, Tobias was just like dropping a glass, mm-hmm. and yeah. then he was in the the wheelchair, you know, in the last episode because his legs and his one arm had gone to sleep, <laughs> and now here he basically can barely move, and he has a drainage shunt in. Mm. So, and this is where we get the return. Very briefly, it's basically a cameo for Oscar in this episode. Mm. Uh, he returns, um, <laughs> looking for his drugs, mm-hmm. um, and you know. Um, we find out that Buster is also feeling abandoned by mother as his turtle um, is dead. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, one, of course, you know, as he picks up the dead turtle, one of his limbs falls off. Oh, um, of so, <laughs> so of course, mother is also missing a limb, much like Buster. Um, and <laughs> Uncle Father Oscar returns. And I like how he says, I could never leave a little bird behind. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> which... Uh, it's it's funny actually because I don't like when when we first met um, Oscar, you know, obviously his 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 main obsession was Lucille, mm. and he wasn't into you know business. He was like the opposite of of George Senior. But as the show went on, he basically you know like I think it's a funny joke that he is high all the time. Mm-hmm. But his character kind of ended up by the time we get to this very brief appearance, just being flanderized to the point where. He's only interested in drugs, yeah. and I don't think that was ever really the character in season two. Like he was, he was a little bit more rounded in season two, but his appearances—I mean, obviously, he, you know—he was in prison for the first episode of um, season three, mm-hmm. <laughs> which you know was quite fun, and we get a little callback to that later on in this episode. Um, but 
I like I don't I mean you know I remember him getting high being a thing but it just seems like the character as it returns here is just all about that and nothing else. He used to also his like main things were wanting to be with Lucille and for um Buster to know who his real father was like he was genuinely very paternal and he's the exact opposite of this he's just only interested in uh getting the drugs and then when he realises they can't of crema- cremating the tortoise, the turtle, presumably, in order to uh, inhale the ashes. Uh, yes, so he's, he's 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 become very much like the rest of the blue family at this point. He's just very callous. Yeah, which is which uh, you know, of course, yeah. Oscar at this point he suggests cremating mother. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, he he basically he also says you know that he doesn't want to hang around just in case he you know he his brother tries to switch places with him again mm. and sends him back to prison, um, and that will kind of actually happen, but in a roundabout accidental way. And we find out that maybe is having a harder time finishing um, Warden Gentle's screenplay than he did. Um, <laughs> and I like how she palms this task off on George Michael and. Um, I like when he says, is that a screenplay? Maybe goes, well, that's what you're going to tell me. <laughs> <laughs> Which is kind of a, 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 a wonderful like misunderstanding of the turn of phrase there. Mm. And obviously, you know, this, this will be the thing that ends, you know, makes George Michael experience both his happiest moment ever and <laughs> his unhappiest moment ever within yeah. quick succession. When Michael goes to visit, you know, the warden, we get the, uh, the, the joke, of course, of the, the stair car and prisoners running up it. And I don't know what happens to the the you know like the the prisoner because he seems to run up, and as he gets to the top, Michael starts pulling back. So I don't I, like, I don't think it's super high, but I think mm. that coming from about like ten and twelve feet up off that stair car is not going to do you any good. Yeah. So that I don't know what happens to that prisoner, but it doesn't seem like that ends well for him. <laughs> um, I like that Warden Gentles has. He's basically <laughs> lied through his teeth at parole hearings to keep this prisoner who is a wonderful chef. But I like that he, he goes, one eye is a wonderful chef. Mm. So, he, you know, he has, <laughs> I don't know what happened to his other eye or if he, you know, if that's just a nickname. Um, but I just, I just like it. And, and I, this is, of course, where Warren Gentles, you know, he, he tells Michael that it's perfectly innocent. Uh, but I can see, it, it, <laughs> I can see how if our roles were reversed, I might have you beaten with a pillowcase full of batteries. Yeah, he really seems to be enjoying uh, Lipton. That is, seems to be really enjoying the chance to be just corrupt. <laughs> like he's he's so <laughs> gleeful when he's talking about the parole hearings or even just that delivery. He's like, and he uh, clearly enjoys digging into like a pillowcase full of batteries and <laughs> just kind of like <laughs> smiling at him in an intensely creepy way i like as well where um you know lucille here she says i'm trying to seduce him and <laughs> michael's like who's the i in that sentence <laughs> and of course when she says me and michael goes you the narrator i think for the first and only time ever gets to say her mm-hmm. yeah um, so we get to we get two kind of variations on that joke which uh, this far in, I think it's quite interesting they've managed to make that that joke work. Michael, at this point, he's you know he's finding he, he's he's kind of realizing that Lucille is, is is manipulating Warden Gentles, and I like that when Michael arrives home and he says Mom wants to sleep with the Warden, Job gets all kind of angry, mm-hmm. and as the conversation, I love this one line, which is where Michael says, "The man is old enough to be her contemporary, Lindsay." <laughs> <laughs> As if two 
As if two people being age appropriate is like a terrible thing. <laughs> but yeah, I just I love I just love that. But I also like that as Lindsay and Michael are, you know, they they're quite okay with talking about Lucille's sex life. Job keeps saying what's wrong with you? It's disgusting. And he keeps getting like more and more angry and of course mm. I like as well how, you know, when he says, you know, I've always had a thing about mom and dad being together. Um, I have a sense of propriety. Job is basically, <laughs> because the last time he saw this happen, he got knocked out. Mm. And I think he, he saw something similar after this and he, he used a forget me now to forget it. You know, Michael has to tell him, Job, we've had this conversation. <laughs> and I like that he goes, the last time you ended up seeing mom and dad go at it. And of course he's like, what? No. And I just like, it, it's just a weird little thing that Job doesn't want to think about his parents having sex at all. Mm. And if anyone even mentions it, he gets like really angry. And of course we get a flashback here to when Job did see that happening. <laughs> I like as well how he says he's got a thing of pills, which mm. of course recalls the uh, thing of candy beans. <laughs> I, I like here how we get um, a kind of weird, you know, we get the double standard basically. And Lindsay is talking about how, you know, it never bothered you when dad was running around. Um, and Lindsay then says, well, how about when she was sleeping with Uncle Oscar? And I like Michael's logic of the guy looks just like dad. I don't know. He's family. It seemed very natural. They'd be together. <laughs> and of course, this, this gets the attention of George Michael, who's like, is there new legislation on this now? Yeah, um, which is a nice uh, kind of follow up to the previous episode where there's that joke about... Um, it not being legal for cousins to marry in California and him saying like, but it was attached to a bill that was never going to pass, but we had the signatures. So just... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He, he's so obsessed um, with uh, California law in regard to incest. And of course we get uh, another little, <laughs> we get some more of the new warden because uh, George Michael thinks that maybe he's trying to send him a message through mm. the uh, script. And we see, we see, um, <laughs> we see, the one prisoner say that bunk is open because the last guy wouldn't do the things that you're going to do. <laughs> and of course, I like the delivery of we're going to do things, <laughs> which, <laughs> which is terrible writing, but delivered by a child. It's it's quite funny. And of mm -hmm. course, this is where the prisoner says anything can happen when two people share a cell because um, <laughs> and, you know, George Michael being the only other person who's read New Warden, he will mm. also start quoting lines from New Warden. Um uh, and I, I like that when he quotes that to maybe later on, she seems equally as puzzled as most people are <laughs> when any of the quotes come up. Um, and of course, uh, George Michael doesn't like being around Tobias, you know, like Graft versus Host is basically making Tobias look really sickening. Mm -hmm. And so obviously uh, it's funny that Michael, as with, you know, maybe in season two where he kept sort of forcing the two cousins together here, he tells George Michael to run Tobias a bath. Um, <laughs> Which leads Tobias to say, don't make the water too hot, the scabs come right off, which is just a horrible visual. Um, once um, Michael talk, he you know, he, he's talking about uh, what are they going to do about uh, Lucille and, and the warden. And of course, Lindsay says, you're starting to sound like Buster. And I like that Michael realizes that there might be one person who would actually care about this particular, uh, you know, this manipulation. Mm -hmm. uh, and Michael uses that as the excuse to stop Lucille because he doesn't want um, Buster to get hurt. Of course, he doesn't really care about Buster. Uh, you know, he's just he's just doing that because it's an easy way for him to kind of keep interfering with this particular thing. Mm -hmm. um, and once again, for some reason, uh, Job <laughs> kind of throws Tobias down the stairs. Um, and 
<laughs> then he also says, oh, it's on standby, talking about the camera, because he basically, you know, <laughs> hasn't got it to record. Uh, so once again, Tobias is getting injured and Job is not recording it. Um, <laughs> and I like, of course, that, you know, Oscar is with Buster, but he's longing for sweet freedom, as the narrator says, which then turns to Oscar saying, I suppose you don't have any sweet freedom or tropical leaves or any of the Hawaiian blends. Uh, which is odd because I think Oscar would understand that Buster is not a person who has drugs or mm. does drugs in any way. So I don't know why he's asking him, but I guess, you know, he's kind of too polite to try and leave. Um, and obviously this is where through fate, um, Oscar gets um, put into Job's trick. Um, which was the original idea for why Tobias wanted hair. Mm -hmm. You know, when he started out with the magic marker <laughs> and, uh, and started drawing it on his own head. And then from there, <laughs> he graduated to the hair plug so that he could, he could take part in the free chicken trick. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that, that trick is once again used here as um, the narrator tells us uh, that, that Oscar is knocked out by a powerful lid. Uh, which... <laughs> basically everything to do with Oscar this episode has, is, is just a drug joke yeah. um, I like how when Michael arrives and tells Buster you know he has bad news about mom she's planning on spending the night with another man and Buster goes Joe and of course Michael's like not another brother and then Buster's like oh well then why do we care <laughs> um, <laughs> I think Buster's just doing this I think to try and get Michael out of the room so that he can get Oscar out of the trick uh, that's my reading of the scene. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what you think because it seems, you know, um, it just seems like he's doing this to try and get rid of Michael quickly. Yeah, that's that's how I assumed it was because there's we've got like three or two and a half seasons full of of episodes in which all that Buster <laughs> cares about is <laughs> what what his mother's up to. So yeah, I think that's yeah. the only thing that that really makes sense in that. There's no other explanation of why he wouldn't care about this specific scenario. Michael wonders off saying, what is wrong with everyone? <laughs> he doesn't really understand why people don't care about this. Mm. And of course, I, like, I love this exchange where he tells George Sr. Um, where he says, I've got some bad news about Mom and Warden Gentiles dating. And of course, George Sr. sits down and he goes... Okay, what's the news? And Michael's just like, they're dating. <laughs> and the, I love this, the kind of the beat before George Sr. goes, oh yeah, because she's my wife. <laughs> <laughs> and I like how he basically gives the game away by saying, you know, uh, when Michael says you're not more upset, and he's like, um, but you see, time passes. <laughs> and I just love how it's like 30 seconds since he told him. And when he says, you know, it's only dinner in the office, and he's like, uh, where else are they going to go at four in the afternoon? And of course, <laughs> that just completely gives it away. Um, and obviously, you know, he's planning an escape. And I just love the line where he says, how dare you? I ought to shave your head and make you sit under that camera all night, mister. <laughs> <laughs> which, which is it's just like such an obvious. And I don't even think that Jason Bateman with his head shaved would really look that much like um, no. Jeffrey Tambor. So... That's not even a good kind of, you know, use of, of that. But um, uh, and, uh, and of course, you know, uh, Michael figures out at this point in the episode that Lucille was was using the warden and George Sr. was in on it. And of course, he, you know, has no idea why he's trying to keep the family together, which basically is the opening titles of the show. You know, yeah. that, that Michael has made this choice to try and keep the family together. 
Um, and this is one of the episodes that kind of does that most overtly, mm. um, where the whole scheme is about um, trying to keep the family together. And also, in a roundabout way, trying to save Tobias from dying. Lucille gives the code and George Sr. is free, but then Lucille decides that she's going to spend, uh, you know, the, the, the night in the conjugal trailer with the warden. And, of course, we get basically the rule of threes applies as George Sr. goes, him? Um, <laughs> mm. Uh, and I, I like when we get back to the house, <laughs> Tobias is being transported in an ambulance. Um, but he refers to it by saying, honey, the car is here. <laughs> Which is <laughs> like the weird kind of normalization of Tobias being this ill. Mm. Um, and of course, you know, Michael finds out that, um, you know, that the whole thing is a scam and he doesn't want to go anymore to, to the gala. Um, and, you know, Lindsay... Lindsay basically says, you know, that she is, you know, Lucille is now interested in the warden. Um, and of course, she just called to ask her to bring a tube of Vag Stibble Paste. Hello, George Michael. <laughs> Which is kind of a, a, a variation on when Tobias said uh, country loving uh, yeah. lady. Um <laughs> And, of yeah. course, this is where we find out that George Michael has changed his mind and he's going to support, maybe. And I like as well how the narrator tells us that Michael was feeling a little like the host that the grafting family was rejecting, <laughs> which is a kind of really kind of tortured way to make that work. And uh, I love we like something that doesn't really get called out there often is that, you know, this is a model home. Mm. You know, at the at the, the start uh, at the end of the last season, we had the whole thing with the water basically going nowhere. You know, mm. the pipes don't really connect to anything because it's not a real house. Mm -hmm. And I like here, you know, like and also of course when when George Michael tried to have a uh, CD burning party um, or music burning party, um, he had no music. Everything mm. was just a home fill. Um, and I like here that you know Michael decides to stay home and read. And the narrator tells us this would prove challenging as the family had no books. <laughs> and then, of course, once uh, Michael gets into the, the loft and briefly looks at Franklin Delano Bluth, mm. um, he sees a whole box of uh, the man inside me. <laughs> and then he finds New Warden. Um, and we, we find out that, um, you know, through the, uh, through the magic of the children reenacting it, mm -hmm. um, <laughs> that he he finds out he says that you were just using me to get even with the man who broke out of your prison and we find out the warden gentles lost two thousand three hundred dollars a year <laughs> because of that breakout and of course lucille in the play says you gave me presents we made love and then the warden gentles says i've given you a last present enjoy the chlamydia lucille <laughs> <laughs> and he says take this newly diseased woman to the hall um, which again is rendered uh, sublime by the fact it's a small child with a pen, a beer drawn in <laughs> on it with pen yeah. saying it all. Yeah, and I think I think later on there's some ve like some really clever wordplay about the warden about, about Lucille giving the warden chlamydia. Yeah, yeah. Um, that is possibly one like such a it's like sublime how how like well executed it is. Mm. Um, and of course, after reading that, Michael says. I wish I'd read The Man Inside Me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which, you know, 
I, I guess that probably would have been slightly better, but I don't know. I don't know if like 500 pages of whatever Tobias wrote in that book <laughs> would really be better than New Warden. Mm. You know, George Senior, um, with with the, uh, the 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 tag off, um, having got the code from Lucille, he needs to get past the door, and of course he goes to uh, Buster's room um, looking for uh, a way to get out. And he finds Oscar knocked out in Job's trick. Uh, and so he takes him out of the, the trick and then obviously climbs in himself. Mm-hmm. Um, so that he, he kind of kind of hides in the cage so he can get past the cops. Job moves the stuff out of Buster's room at the behest of his father, which, of course, his father's only done so that he can get past the cops. Um, so George Senior, you know, can be quite clever when it comes to it. Mm-hmm. Um, this is where Michael tells Job that Lucille is being set up and he needs to get into the prison. And of course, Job says, it's after lockdown. And I like how Michael encourages him and says, come on, you were going to break out of this place once. I know you can help me break in. And I like, of course, that Job says, it's not a Jamba Juice, Michael. It shouldn't be that hard to break into. <laughs> when Buster returns, he sees he's bringing some uh, juice um, for Mother, which which is weird because he knows that Mother is dead. Mm-hmm. Um but we see that uh, that Oscar has been um, bound up and he has a sticker over his mouth that has a smile drawn on it for some reason. I yeah. don't know why George Senior did it, but I just love that kind of touch. And I like that how Buster looks at it and he goes, wait a minute, you're not really smiling. <laughs> <laughs> Which is such a weird kind of thing for him to say. And of course, he says, I'm Oscar. He did it again. I can't go through this again. I can't be caged. Um, <laughs> And, of course, this leads to Oscar trying to escape, but, of course, he gets tackled and taken to prison. Mm. Um, Which is weird because, you know, George Senior's in a house arrest, so if he tries to leave the building, well, first of all, his tag should go off, but second of all, they should just take him back inside because he's under house arrest. He shouldn't Mm. be taken to the prison, so they shouldn't be taking Oscar to the prison, but, you know, it works for the sake of a joke later on. Mm -hmm. Um, we get a callback here to the jetpack, which was the, you know, George, one of George Senior's other escape methods, um, which was wrongly delivered to (laughs) George Michael, who, uh, you know, watched the instruction videos for quite a long time and couldn't even figure out how how to kind of use it because it was all in Japanese. Mm -hmm. And of course, Joe and Michael put the jetpack on and then, (laughs) and then it flies off and they're basically standing there and Joe goes, well, now we know what the strap was for. Um, which, and I think that shot might... I don't know if it's a practical effect or... I mean, it looks a little fakey to me, but obviously yeah. they just stood there and they, they've kind of pulled it off and then, you know, slowed that down or whatever or speeded it up. But it just looks a little fakey, but um, it's fine, you know, for the, for the joke. And then, of course, um, you know, this is where Michael says that they need a layout of the place and we get the second... <laughs> most obvious call out to prison break where Job has drawn a map on his stomach. But it's upside uh, down. I think the yes. Jamba Juice line was also a call out because I think okay. in like the, all of the ads for um, prison break when it started, one of the jokes was, you know, it was saying, hey, this isn't a Jamba Juice, it's hard to break out or something like that. So like, right. I always like that <laughs> as like even another kind of slight dig at their very successful um, stable mate. <laughs> yeah, I think... I think at this particular time as well, like Prison Break, like I think this this episode, uh, when it first went out, got about 3 million viewers or 4 mm. million viewers. It was kind of in that area, yeah. uh, which even today, 3 to 4 million viewers would get you cancelled. That's not the kind of, that's yeah. not staying on the air numbers. Um, 
but I think Prison Break at the time was was somewhere near ten to twelve million, so it was vastly more successful. But mm. this show felt the need to throw some digs in there, um, and of course, as Job has drawn the the map on his stomach and it's upside down, he has to kind of lie on the ground. And I like how he goes, "It might be a little awkward," and the narrator basically says, "It was awkward," <laughs> and I like how Job has drawn himself and Michael on the map outside the door. <laughs> Like some kind of, you know, you are here type thing, which is mm. just really weird. Um, and of course, as the gate opens, the guard says, hey, if you guys want to party, why don't you just bring it inside? <laughs> uh, and Job, echoing something that George Sr. said a couple of scenes before, says, that was a freebie. Mm. Um, and then the fundraiser gets going. Now, I think at this particular point, the cutscene that that's on the DVD would have gone here, uh, mm. which is 20 seconds of Lucille taking advantage of the power of the warden where you know she asks him you know can you make all these prisoners do whatever you want and he's like i try not to abuse the power but yes i can and so she says to this one prisoner lick the back of your hand and of course the warden goes you heard the woman and then he just starts licking the back of his hand and lucille like laughs and that's the entire cut scene that was cut from this episode but it's such a weird little scene mm. um I think it probably would have slowed down because this, this gala, once it gets going, is very fast and the jokes come quickly. Mm-hmm. So I think it would have really slowed the scene down if we'd just had 20 seconds of Lucille torturing someone for no particular reason. Um, and, um, you know, I like how George Michael says that the, you know, the the, the school is, uh, sorry, the prison is like school, but it's got air conditioning, which suggests <laughs> that their school is not a very good school. Um, and I like as well how George Michael says, you know, anything can happen when two people share a cell because mm-hmm. and then he goes, it's a line from New Warden. And of course, maybe he's like, oh, OK, yeah, I don't know why I was worried about that. Um, <laughs> and the narrator tells us that would be the happiest George- moment George Michael would ever experience in his life. Um, we find that uh, Warden Gentles has got um, Oscar um, and he says, you know, the man who cost me my promotion ends up back in in my care. And I don't think there's going to be an I'm Oscar website this time. And Oscar says, I think this time I'll do a podcast. (laughs) Which is interesting because 2005, when this episode aired, you know, I don't think podcasts were were like a huge thing yet. No. Um, You know, like even, um, you know, like uh, Smodcast very recently, as we record this episode, just has been on the air for 10 years. Mm. And that was that was like early 2007. So late 2005, did we make it a podcast reference on a sitcom? Um, that is that is you know uh, that's quite ahead of its time, really. I mean, yeah. I think even today, I mean, there have been jokes about podcasts on sitcoms in recent years, mm. but most of them seem to be mocking people who do podcasts. Rather I know than, it's unfair. Yeah. Um, that joke for me. <laughs> That joke for me is what I've come to think of as a what computers joke, you know, like in the Simpsons episode where Homer's talking to the record store cloak about the US Festival and he says, you know, it's by the guy who founded Apple computers and he goes, what computers? And that's a joke whose meaning <laughs> has, has radically changed since that episode aired because obviously at the time it was made, Apple were kind of on the outs and no one really kind of thought about them and now they're inescapable. There, the joke has gone from oh, you know, uh, a joke about a podcast is actually quite cutting edge or or it's kind of about chasing a fad that was beginning to pick up steam to yeah. now the joke, if you say that, is like, oh yeah, of course he's going to start a podcast because everyone's got a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and I love the introduction here. This is probably one of my favourite interjections from the narrator here where 
Job um, in a presentation which he applauds himself for, <laughs> <laughs> which is which is my favourite thing. He goes, Graf versus Host. Sounds like a tennis match between Steffi Graf and Happy Day star Donny Host. <laughs> and of course, the narrator immediately goes, It's most. <laughs> and of course, then he goes, Hello, I'm Joe Bluth. And that is where he gets up and starts applauding. And then we start doing, a, there's a lot of um, in camera disappearance gags mm-hmm. as Joe keeps pointing to things and making them disappear, where mm-hmm. it's clearly just them pausing the tape and then unpausing it. Um, and then we find out, you know, that Tobias has GV, GVH. Um, and I like how um, Job says, when Toby first came to, into the family, none of us much wanted him around. But that's because we couldn't see what was in the inside. But lately, that's all we've been able to see. Which <laughs> <laughs> uh, is just, and obviously there's a whole lot. It's just like terrible what has happened to Tobias, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like as well how Tobias gives the game away where he says, the doctor says I'd be completely healed if I were to do that, meaning, you know, <laughs> take out his his uh, hair plugs. And of course, one guy just shouts, he just needs his hair plugs out. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Tobias goes, doctor says that's the cure. And I love how another guy immediately screams, there's a cure. <laughs> and <laughs> uh, And of course, you know, this is where people get really angry and one woman says she'd rather give to TBA. Um, and the narrator tells us that just as the prisoners pr- had proven they could throw a gala as well as the rich, so the rich proved that they could throw a riot just as well as the prisoners. Um, and then we get to the final scene of the episode um, where <laughs> Lucille, she has some choice lines. Um, uh, she's in the conjugal trailer and of course... You know, Michael tries to convince her not to sleep with the warden. Mm. And, um, you know, this is where Michael admits that his his heart is broken um, and, you know, that he he can't deal with the fact that his family's falling apart and he really needs his mother. And, of course, Lucille, not wanting to spoil the moment, says, Oh, Michael, honey, I want to cry so bad, but I don't think I can spare the moisture. Um, (laughs) This is where Michael says that Warden Gentles is just getting back at uh, Lucille because you know that's what's in the screenplay and of mm. course when Lucille says uh, you know did you like the chlamydia thing I gave that to him and, she, and Michael of course goes you gave him chlamydia and you know this suggests somehow that Lucille has passed on a sexual disease to the warden but mm. in reality she just means she gave him the idea for that line mm. um, but I, I like of course when she says he had crabs and I said you're going to get laughs, <laughs> <laughs> which of course implies that Warden Gentles had a different sexual disease. Um, so I just think it's funny that they kind of they play that exchange that way, and, and it's such a clever like wordplay. Mm. Um, probably one of the reasons why the show got cancelled because yeah, um, you know it's not your normal sitcom fare to have that kind of exchange. Yeah, yeah. Senior, you know, he has broken into the prison, much like <laughs> Michael and Joe. Uh, you don't really have to break into a prison. That is obviously the main joke. You know, it's quite easy yeah. to get into prisons, and they're not that hard to get in. Obviously, the point is to stop people from getting out. Mm. Um, George Senior shows up, uh, ready to fight for Lucille, um, saying that no one is breaking apart this family. When Warden Gentle shows up. 
because you know that's all Michael needed to hear was that George Senior didn't want the family to actually break apart. Mm. Um, Warden Gentle shows up and he's like, "George, if you're here, who do we have in the delousing tank?" <laughs> um, and of course, you know, George Senior's like, "I'm guessing Oscar." <laughs> and we find out, of course, that Warden Gentles cannot take another twenty-three hundred dollar hit, which is weird because that suggests somehow that uh, a prison wardens it, su- it suggests that it's it's um it's based on the idea that if you have any breakouts you lose money like mm. as if that's the incentive to keep prisoners from breaking out yeah I, I george senior says you let oscar out give us an hour in here and we'll call it even and of course warden gentle says i can't say no to the woman who gave me chlamydia um <laughs> in response to george senior saying are we ready to have some fun she says i'm so glad i didn't cry and of course michael in the opposite of, of being happy to hear george senior say he doesn't want to break the family up he says that I didn't need to hear. Uh, and that is where the episode ends. And then on the next episode of Arrested Development, we sort of get to see the fates of everybody, um, you know, who was left behind in the riot. Mm. Um, as we go into lockdown and George Michael runs into a cell with a person with some long hair. <laughs> and he says, that was close her maybe. And then, of course, Tobias turns around and says, oh, she's in the next cell. Looks like we're going to be bunk buddies all night, cuz. <laughs> <laughs> Which suggests that Tobias might have read New Warden too. Um, and the narrator lets us know that that is George Michael experiencing his unhappiest moment ever. <laughs> uh, and then uh, back home, Buster, you know, tries to get his recent losses by breaking out the old guitar. Of course, he strums with his hook hand, um, <laughs> which just breaks all the strings. And then, you know, the narrator tells us that Joe finally faces a phobia he'd faced before. And we see Joe, Joe once again pressed up against the conjugal trailers. And I like how it finishes with him going, Not here! Wait! I've seen this before! Oh God, I've seen this before! <laughs> As he gets tased. And that's yeah. where the episode ends. So is there anything else that you feel we need to discuss about this episode? I thought it was interesting watching this episode and thinking like in two episodes time you have the other gala, the um, Save Our Bloofs fundraiser, where there's all yeah. these jokes about, whether they were making all these meta jokes about the show, be, the characters being too unlikable, or, you know, and just kind of pointing out all the things that were why the show got cancelled. Uh, and watching this episode again, I was like, man, this show is dense within jokes. <laughs> like, <laughs> I could understand why if someone, for whatever reason, had decided to start watching the show because they'd had Charlize Theron on for six, for five episodes and thinking, oh, I'll continue with this, would then hit this and it'd be like hitting a brick wall because <laughs> there's just so many little references all the way through, which are hugely rewarding, you know, to, to fans and people who've been watching the show a lot. But like, yeah, this is almost the kind of the platonic ideal of uh, an, an, an example of why Arrested Development could be quite an unwelcoming show. Um so yeah, but I I I do think it's it's kind of interesting that like, you know, this is this is kind of like the direction that they went for the first episode after Charlie's Theron left, mm. and obviously we just get that one shot of her, you know, um, doing the, the getting her silver medal um, in a two-legged race, which again is such an odd joke for them to make. On the next episode of I Made a Huge Mistake, we're going to be talking about making a stand. Uh, which is possibly one of my favorite episodes ever simply for the montage where they use every single song that this show has ever had. <laughs> every fake song gets regurgitated in the space of like two minutes. Okay, well, if there's nothing else to talk about for this episode, I think we should go to plugs. So, Edwin? Uh, yeah, uh, my podcast is Shot Reverse Shot, um, www 
shopvershop.com. Uh, no, wait. SRSpodcast.com. <laughs> Let me do that again. Forgot for my own website. Um, yeah, my podcast is Shot Reverse Shot, which is SRSpodcast.com. We talk about film and television uh, in kind of a thematic sense where the theme changes from episode to episode. Uh, just uh, done an episode about zombies in film and TV, and then we're going to have a big episode about the Oscars, which will go up um, the Monday before the Oscar ceremony. Uh, so uh, we're doing a lot of fun things at the moment. Uh, I also write film reviews at amightyfineblog.com, uh, which I haven't done for a while due to the holidays, but um, I'm hoping to get back to that. And can we follow you on Twitter? Yes, uh, I am at Edwin J. Davis, D-A-V-I-E-S, and uh, the podcast is at SRS underscore podcast on Twitter. Great stuff. Well, thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me. And otherwise, goodbye. Bye. <laughs>